Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are, but before we do that, because it's Pride Month, I want to celebrate my beautiful friend uh, and boo and co-host oh, Ken. Stop it. Who has found a way to live as himself yes. in life. And I know like that's a, that's a continuous journey and you'll... Keep doing more and more of that, letting your flame burn bright. Let it burn bright. I just want to celebrate him because, so a lot of behind the scenes stuff happens that you guys don't get to hear anything about, but I have to say this. So a couple weeks, like a week or two ago, it was my birthday weekend and we needed to do an episode that week we needed to record. Ken drove over three hours to come find me where I was holed up in the country doing a (laughs) dog sitting gig. (laughs) And he drove all the way there, got there at like 10.30 at night, brought me a birthday present. We immediately watched an episode, recorded, and then he had to get back on the road and drive home, was going to get home at like 2 or 3 in the morning, had like two, three hours to sleep, and then had to get up and go to work because it was... Pride weekend. And so I love this man so much. So I want to celebrate him and give him his flowers while he yet lives. So. Well, I am blushing. Okay. (laughs) Don't do that. You surprised me. Okay. I told you I had a surprise for you. (laughs) Thank you. You know, I'm shy like that. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, boo. And I would do it all over again. Anytime, time again, time after again, or whatever the case. (laughs) I would definitely be there. I love working with you so much. And also, like you said, it was your birthday weekend, yeah. and we needed to do this, you know? Yeah. And um, I love you guys, so I know, so it wasn't just about me. Like, we we are that dedicated to this podcast. I mean, if you guys could see our lives on recording days and, like, all that we're trying to do and fit in. Like, it's crazy, because we, we both work serious jobs. And, and there's, a, fact, there's travel involved. Yeah. Like, we don't live in the in yeah. the same city. And so, like... We're either... Like, that was not, the one time I traveled. She travels all the time <laughs> Every week, here. yeah. Every and week. it's not... We're not trying to get pity points, but we're just, like... We care so much about what we're doing and so much about this show. Love it so much. Enjoy it so much. And for me, was so transformed by it that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And just... Well, we'll get to talk a little bit about some more of it. Right. Because this is a very... <laughs> There's a lot in this episode that yes. lend itself to some further discussion on it. But anyway, I just had to start out with that. Well, I appreciate <laughs> you, boo. Thank you so much. Happy Pride, everybody. Happy Thank Pride. You. How's it going? I <laughs> hope you guys are living your best life, okay? Yes. Pride Month. Live it up YOLO, okay? Yeah, you... And even... I also want to send a shout out to the people who can't live openly, but who have to live in a closet for whatever reason. Um, I want to send some love to those people as well. Yep. You everybody know? is because inclusive. Yeah, because life is crazy and there are demands and expectations and not everybody is at a place where they can be fully out. And so we want to send some love to those people, too. That's the love. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's do this. Otherwise, we'll be here for five hours. And I've got so many pages and pages of notes. Well, I'm ready. I'm excited about this episode. (laughs) Okay, so... This episode starts out at Babylon, and I know some people get tired of seeing Babylon, but y'all know Ken and I do not mind. Like, I we love Babylon. love Babylon. <laughs> when it starts off there, I know it's going to be popping, yeah. okay? We love Babylon, and I like how this one starts, so it, it was, it kind of has like this comic motif to it, and Ken's like, oh, this one's going to be about Michael. <laughs> yep, I already, I already felt it. When I saw the, the comic, like, pages coming up, I was like, Michael. I knew it, you yeah. know? yeah. 
Uh, so, speaking of Michael, Michael and Justin are at the bar, and they are feeling young and fun on some ecstasy there. I'm kind of surprised to see Justin back at Babylon and on ecstasy, yeah. but, no, I was but like, he's with his friends, and he's he safe now, but still. I knew he was on something. When I saw the two of them together, I was like, this is weird. Why are they Yeah, because they ain't even cool like that. No, yeah, I was like, uh-uh, <laughs> sums up, you know, sums up. I said, and Justin's drawing, and Michael's enjoying it? Uh-huh. Sums up. But um, back to Justin, yeah, I wouldn't be in Babylon. If I was in Babylon, I'd be starting a fire in the bathroom or something. For real? <laughs> Gary? You wouldn't be getting none of my support yeah. and money. None yeah. at all. You creep. Okay? Like, yeah, so, but they're at Babylon together, so I'm like, uh-uh. And then we, we find out that they're on ecstasy, so I'm like, that explains it. Yeah. It makes you nice. You know? Yeah. So. so, Justin and, and Michael are there, and Justin is drawing one of the dancers, and this basically morphs into being Captain Ecstasy or E-Man as he's later <laughs> yes. called. And they have created this whole superhero. He was fine. Okay, I love <laughs> yeah. the way, yeah, that superhero, I'm like, damn, okay? Yeah. Like, I've never been, like, a big comic book fan, but I'm going to buy that edition, okay? Because yeah. the, the the super, um his powers, you know, coming from the, the, the bedroom eyes. Yeah, the bedroom and the, eyes yeah. and the, the laser from the, the shorts, okay? Yeah. I just want to see what that laser look like. That's it. <laughs> I do like uh, Justin's breakfast included shirt here. Uh, But anyway, Brian comes over to interrupt their fun. And he sees that Justin is doodling there at the bar. He's like, okay, no more drugs for you. But I like how he rubs that coaster down his face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? And Justin loved every minute of it. Yeah. Okay. Now, y'all, by now, y'all all all know that I will squeeze water from a turnip when it comes to Brian and Justin. So... Let me just tell you something that makes me happy in this scene right here. Uh, And so just kind of hang on with me. So Brian lets very few people see certain sides of his personality. And for the most part, that silly, goofy side of him is really only shared with Michael Mm -hmm. and to a much lesser extent with Lindsay. Um, And I don't think he would never show that side of himself to one of his tricks or any random person on Liberty Avenue because that goes against him being this like great enigma mm-hmm. the Brian Stud of Liberty Avenue Kenny guy. But anyway, so he's never really able to let that side of him out with someone in the in the back room or in his bedroom, but now with Justin, he's able to be more of himself with one person. And so instead of having to, like you get this part, then you get that part and you get that part, like he's able to give more parts of himself to mm-hmm. one person. I think that's a new thing. For him, so Trix may get one thing, and Michael gets another thing. Emmett and Ted get something different, but Justin is getting not the whole picture, but more of the whole Brian. Uh, and so it's like him getting to be silly with this person that he's also sleeping with. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. This whole season, I've been saying we've get we've gotten a different side of Brian that we haven't seen, mm-hmm. a softer side of Brian. You know, he's he's letting that guard down. He trusts Justin. Yeah. You know, so he lets Justin in on, you know, a little more of who he is. Yeah. He's still going to be guarded because that's Brian. Right, he's testing yeah. the waters mm-hmm. on it, but he's like, okay, what if he sees this part of me? Then what right. if he sees that part of me? <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, he's been super cute thus far with his actions towards Justin. The way they just, I mean, the, the way they bodies fit together. You know, yeah. the little the little gestures they do, the, the little looks. Um, you can tell in his tone that and he's a little different, that he cares more mm-hmm. for Justin. So, I mean, he, he's definitely different yeah, this season for sure. even early season one where he was allowing Justin to continue to come around, he still wasn't showing him all of him. Like, he showed right. he showed more that first night than he showed the follow, the nights following that. And so now he's getting more, like, used to mm-hmm. Justin being there. 
But anyway, okay, I got to move on. (laughs) (laughs) So Ted comes over with an offer to buy drinks. He is celebrating because Jerk at Work and Fetch Dixon have been nominated for Newcomer of the Year. Whoop, whoop. Come through with it, Fetch. Come through. Okay. Come (laughs) through. All right. (laughs) I'm very proud. Yeah. So in addition to telling the guys, Ted goes to share the news with Emmett and tells him, um, hey, we're nominated for this award. This is awesome. This is great. And Emmett's just not in the mood to celebrate because we lost George last episode. And this is still very recent for him. I mean, he boarded that plane expecting to be on this Journey. Year-long mm-hmm. journey with George, not just for the travel, but also this new life with George. And now that is that's was, over, that's yeah. gone. And so he's not he's not and, really thrilled about it. And this. normally, you know, something like this, like this is a big achievement. Right. Yeah. I mean, you went from doing window decorations, you know, clothes <laughs> yeah, to being so. Yeah. To being nominated, you know, mm-hmm. for the glass the the Crystal Dick Award. You mm-hmm. know, like this is huge. I mean, well, you're huge. <laughs> but it's a huge, um, you know, a huge honor yeah. and accomplishment, you know, to be um, nominated for that. And Ted is all excited and upbeat and like, we're going to go. We're going to we're gonna kill this. We're yeah. going to do this and that. And like you said, I mean, Emmett is just not feeling it. I, I wouldn't feel it either. I mean, yeah. he loved, I mean, in this short bit of time, the chemistry between um, George and, and him was just, I mean, unmatched. It was easy. It flowed mm-hmm. very well. He was introduced to a different lifestyle, but also still got to keep himself. Right. And then he was able to introduce George to a different lifestyle that he never got to experience mm-hmm. and always wanted to experience. So they was experiencing new things together. You yeah. Know? And those relationships are the best ones where mm-hmm. you don't have to erase who you are. Like, you're, who you truly and genuinely are enhances who they are. Right. And that's what they had with each other. And yeah, that's gone. But I do think Ted is hoping that this might be something to kind of distract him, but also something for him to get excited about. I don't think... This is not like in that episode where he was like, you owe me, you you know, you have yeah, your family. Like, no, no, this is really him trying to be a friend and trying mm-hmm. to say, hey, I know you're going through something, but hey. We got to get you out of the house. Here, yeah. yeah, here's something good for you mm-hmm. to focus on. Because, all, you know, when someone close to you passes, all you can see is negative. Yeah. You go into a deep depression. And as a good friend, you don't ever want to see your friends hurting. You want to try to, you know, pull them out of that hole before it gets too late. You know, yeah. so I see what Ted is doing. Yeah, but it's still a little early for him. And I get, and I get that. And he's planning his speech for George's service for his funeral. And Ted's a little surprised, like, oh, you're planning you're planning to speak there? And Ted's a little surprised by that. But Emmett wants to say goodbye. You know, it was so sudden and unexpected. He didn't get to, to say that. And he's looking to get closure. And I think that's a valid pursuit. Like, right. It makes sense that he wants to find closure. Yeah, in a normal relationship, that would be. But to me... <laughs> I'm like, Ted, like, you're going to plan to do that? Like, I know to you, George was Georgie. You know, Mm -hmm. it was just you two. But to the world, that was Shickles Pickles. You know, like, you're going to speak at this funeral? Yeah, but he also knows Emmett, and Emmett's like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) like, like, I'm a duh. Yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. And also, it's not just the fact that, that George is gone, but the future that came with him is gone as well. And I'm not talking about the money, but we talked about this last episode. Emmett knew that when they finished that trip, and he came back with George, his life was going to be totally different, different then. And so, mm-hmm. like, all of that is is gone now. And so now he's like, I just left this apartment yesterday or the day before or whatever. We don't know how much time has passed, really, but not much because right. they haven't had the service yet. And so he's like, and now here I am back on this couch that, and I, alone. that I wasn't supposed to see for Mm-mm. a long time. And so, yeah, he's just he's not there yet. 
Uh, then at the diner, Brian and Justin are struggling with their hangovers. But we get this super cute scene of them, like, holding their forks and, like, playing with them together. Yes. Which is their equivalent to footsies or, yep. like, holding mm-hmm, hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're not going to see them, like, hold hands. I mean, we did yeah. a couple times when Justin was recovering um, from the bashing or whatever the case. But in their everyday lives, you don't really see them hold hands no, or do things like that. But so. this is, like... Mm-hmm. For them, this is the exact yep. same thing. It's just this cute little cute little thing with their forks. But Michael comes rushing in, and his excitement has kept his hangover at bay. And <laughs> he still has that coaster with Justin's drawing on it. And he tells them that he got an idea. And when Brian cuts in with a snarky comment, Michael says, Do you mind? I'm trying to have a conversation with your boyfriend. I love the look yeah. on Justin's face. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, somebody said it out loud. Y'all right. are together. And then, yeah, and Michael Michael just, they just say it. Like, it's just fact. And then... No like, one denied it. No, Justin looks at him like, well, he said it, not me. Mm-hmm. And he was looking, I bet he was looking like, okay, Brian, are you going to deny this? Oh, he didn't, he didn't deny it. Yeah, there might be just a hint of... Is that what I am? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe just a hint of it. <laughs> you know. Let's coach. Well, anyway, after the death of Captain Astro, there is a void in the comic book world. People are looking for a a gay superhero and a more overtly gay superhero this time, not one that there's just like conjecture about. And so the timing is right, is what Michael is saying. Like, hey, we can be the people to fill that void. Uh and Justin's like, I, I don't know. And Michael says, you know, comics are my life. I can come up with a million stories. And you, Justin, can draw. So it's like a match made in heaven. No, it is. <laughs> I always say when preparation meets opportunity, that's success. You yeah. Know? Michael has prepared his whole life mm-hmm. for this one moment. Yeah. You know, like, now you found some. You have all the stories. You have found someone who can bring your stories to life. You are this type of character that's in demand. Right. You know, and like, so he, and he, yeah. yeah, he's got all the connects right mm-hmm. now, publishers and whatnot. So now's the time. Now's the time to do it. Yep. So seize the day. Yeah. And that's what he says. Like, hey, people write their own books. People do all this other stuff. Like, mm-hmm. why can't, why can't we do it? We, we can totally do it. Like, that's what this podcast, we can, we can right. totally do it. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> well, whether we can or not, we're doing it. So, <laughs> and so Brian's listening to all this and he says, Oh, well, finally, you two boys will have something in common besides me. What a relief to not be the center of everyone's universe. We'll oh, let you Brian. have those words right now, Brian. Yeah, go ahead and keep those. Yeah, anyway, but I like seeing Michael and Justin goof off here. And you would think that because Michael is a little immature and Justin is younger, that that's what would have bonded them beforehand. Mm-hmm. But no, but it did. <laughs> well, we know what kept them apart. You know, Michael couldn't let go right. of, uh, yeah. of Brian, you know, mm-hmm. and Justin wasn't going anywhere. Period. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love to see them come together over something like this because they're both passionate about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and Justin's like, "Hey, why not? Let's try." Yeah, might as well. Yeah, I mean, and Justin already has the talent. Even if he doesn't go fully with this, this doesn't go anywhere. You have been per- um, perfecting your your craft. Right. You know, that's something that you're steadily doing. He got it back. Yeah. Remember, he thought he lost it after yeah. the bashing, and so he got that back, and so he's excited to be able to use it. Yep. In this new way, and he didn't even need his special um computer with the pen. You know, he was doing all that at the bar. Just, I mean, killing mm-hmm. it, just knocking it out. So, yeah. um, he's back. Yeah. Uh, then we see Melanie, and Lindsay is trying to sell Melanie on her new idea. She wants to convert the attic space into her new studio. We know she's an artist, but that's kind of it on the back burner. But she's wanting to have a space where she can create. So a lot of people want to create in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but money is an issue for them. And Lindsay tells her, you know, I already figured out how much it will cost. Like, don't worry about it. 
And let me, this is a true story, real life story. I recently embarked on an attic renovation project <laughs> and it costs infinitely more than you think it would cost. Wow. <laughs> so, so mine is all pause. Yes. <laughs> pause. I was not planning on dropping that kind of coin. Yeah. So. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Anyway, uh, Lita drops by to install a fan belt, we find out, and uh, she comes up to the attic, and she's familiar with renovation work, and she tells them it's going to cost at least $20,000 uh, to do this, she's like, unless I do it for you. Yeah, I mean, let me take it back. I love how supportive um, Lindsay and Mel are of each other. She brought Melanie up the stairs blindfolded to show her her new creation of what she wanted to create, you know. And Mel was like, oh, my God, this is wonderful. This is beautiful. Then she got to look around. She just saw how much the money was. She didn't say, no, we can't do it, you know. But, like, baby, this is going to, like, kill us, you know. And then, like you said, Lita came over. Lita offered to do it. But, again, I don't know if I would have told uh, <laughs> Lita. I would have said, yeah, Lita, you can do it. But then Lita going to say, oh, I need a place to stay. No, baby. <laughs> no, boo-boo. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. She can't stay in your room? You can't stay. I, for one, she just looks too good. I don't trust her. She yeah. does, she don't even have like the trusting eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like you rubbed me wrong the first time. Like mm. Mm. I mean, I'm just now getting baby steps to you, girl. Like if you want me to trust you, baby, just do it for free and then go stay on your bike somewhere. You know, like you don't you don't have to live under this roof. Okay? Yeah. God, we got a baby and everything. You ain't baby material. <laughs> um, but so Lindsay kind of feels like you. She's like. Oh, no, we we wouldn't ask you to do that. And Lita says, I'm offering. I need a place to stay. I was house-sitting for other people, but they're back now. It's kind of perfect timing. I need a place to stay. You need work done. We can do a little trade-off. <laughs> She's like a squatter or something. Like, yeah. girl, you didn't came to this city and you ain't got nowhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Melanie is looking at Lindsay, and she knows that face. And so she knows that this little friendship or friendliness between Lindsay and Lita is very new and very fragile. Mm -hmm. But Melanie is practical and so she's thinking about the money and she's like, but she's also familiar with Lita's work and so she's thinking if we're going to do this, this may be the way we have to do it. Yeah. But she's not going to be forceful. Uh, She's hoping that Lindsay will just like come to see reason. Because it's her project. Mm -hmm. You know, this is for you. Now you got somebody who's saying they can do this for free. Mm -hmm. Okay. They know both of us. I mean, me a little better. But they know <laughs> both of us, you know. Why are you looking like that? Take yeah. that frown up off your face. You should be jumping for joy because we don't have 20 grand to spend. Right. If you want this done soon, you, I advise you to take lead up on her offer. But you know what? <laughs> Stand strong, Lindsay, because I'm right there with you. Hell no. <laughs> nope. Uh, Lindsay, instead of saying it that way, Lindsay says, well, an artist studio is private. It's a private and personal space. And she says, I like to do it myself. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Girl. Yeah. So then at the loft, uh, Michael and Justin are not having as much creative luck as they thought they would. Justin has clearly never read a comic book Ever. in his life. Or seen a cartoon. Yeah. Now, in his defense, <laughs> even if he's heard of some of these superheroes, maybe he may not be familiar with their origin stories. You know? Girl. <laughs> he started off with, what if a scientist got bit by a radioactive bug? That- well, maybe he knows who Spider-Man is, but maybe he didn't pay attention to how he became Spider-Man. Okay. It's clear that comics are not his thing. Okay? He lives under the sea, the king of the sea, and he can talk on Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he comes from a different planet. His parents leave him. He was adopted by and he fly Superman. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> poor baby. Okay, but listen, 
As someone who pretends to be a writer, it is so freaking hard to come up with an original idea. Like, you'll be trucking along, writing things down, and then you'll be like, wait a minute, I think I watched this on Netflix last week. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard, okay? Just give my boo Justin a I, I, break, okay? He's our boo, so I'll give him <laughs> a little break. But I'm like, baby, come on now. Yeah, so Brian is there in the background, but he's not really interfering. He's just listening in. Um. I want it. So Brian comes out and he goes over to the, yeah, he's getting ready to work out. Uh-huh. He's his shoes on. Go goes to the, the treadmill. treadmill. And I wanted Justin to tell him, like, you don't stop looking at my man. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, those eyes just lingering. I was yeah. like, okay, bro, you got a whole man at the house. Yeah. And I wanted him to tell Brian, and you need to put a shirt on because you know Michael is always trying to sneak a peek. That part. But you know, Brian liked that attention, so he's yeah. going to do whatever he needs to do to get yeah. it. Even though he know Michael's never getting a taste. <laughs> Well, he still doesn't know about the comic book shop thing. Yeah, true, but, true. But that but didn't become anything. The comic book shop thing was, that was a bluff. That was a non-factor yeah. because Brian knew nothing was going to come yeah. of that. Even if Michael wanted it, Brian wasn't going to do it. Yeah, it was a bluff. Yeah. You know, he was going to he was gonna say, okay, you want it? This is what you have. You know, yeah. here it is. He knew Michael was going to turn it down in the end, so that don't even count. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Michael um, says something that is very true. You can't rush a brilliant idea. You have to let it come to you. Uh, now, meanwhile, Brian is getting his afternoon workout on, and he's running shirtless on the treadmill. And Justin is thinking, Michael, how long are you staying? When are you going home? Right. Like, <laughs> it's about to get hot and sweaty over here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but they both turn to watch him, and their eyes and minds are gravitating in that direction. Yeah. And they have this simultaneous epiphany. And they're like, you know, he doesn't have to be, like, your standard steroid-induced <laughs> Super, superhero like it's his mind that makes him sexy yep. it's individualism <laughs> he doesn't fit the standard model his uncompromising moral code is what makes him strong love it and you know they're basically like putting this together thinking about mm-hmm. Brian and they both have Justin's is more realistic Brian, I think Michael still has a little bit of that hero worship right. toward Brian Justin's is a little bit more realistic I think I, I think he does in some ways See Brian kind of as his hero because last he episode he's like, "Hey, I owe you, mm-hmm. I owe you my life. Like you saved me." But he also knows it. He knows that Brian's just a human. Yeah, <laughs> that absolutely. He's just a man. But I mean, to Michael, I mean, this man is for you know, all these years. It's invincible, been larger than life mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, but uh, and so they, you know, he's a cold-hearted ad exec by day and a defender of the queer community by night, and then uh, Brian's disc man craps out. <laughs> He has a fit over that. And so we have a superhero and a name. Rage. There it is. Yeah, Rage. Rage. Love it. Yeah. So then at George's mansion, Emmett has come to collect his things. Like, he was spending a lot of time there. So that was like a second home mm-hmm. to him toward George's in there. And Jonathan, who is George's butler or house manager or whatever he is, offers his condolences to Emmett. And he treats him like a a widower. You know, he knows Emmett's place in George's life. I mean, definitely, you know, the last several years, George was a hermit before Emmett showed up. And um, even though they were together, they still spent a lot of time at George's home. And so if anyone knows who was truly a part of George's life, it would be his his staff. Mm -hmm. You know, like Jonathan, the people who work. see him every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he's very respectful when he acknowledges Emmett. 
and his place in George's life and in that house too. Like he, yeah. he's like, Oh, I see you here at the house. Like that's totally, totally normal. I love that part. Mm-hmm. I love that they treated him with respect. They didn't treat it. Even though George is gone, mm-hmm. they kept that same level of respect, but it also has, a, it, it shows a testament to Emmett's character. Yeah. Cause you know, he didn't treat anyone with disrespect. Right. He never treated no. them. He was so much better. Mm-hmm. And he got to know them too. Like he called Jonathan by his, by his name. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you peasant. Come right. Over here. Exactly. Like, you know? and he, he treated him Emmett right. Like, yeah, they had a relationship as well. Um, but Virginia's all rants itself. Oh there. Lord, this trick. I was like, why is she already here? Like, yeah. girl, can can Emmett even get his stuff out the house? I know. See, I was that's how recent they, it is. Yeah, I was thinking they were divorced, but I guess they were just like separated. You know that? Yeah. Because he still called her Mrs. Schickle. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I mean, like maybe it was have to do. You know, with so much money tied together. Right. Everybody don't want to separate. You know. <laughs> they you just know, got to, like, you yeah. gonna live over there. I'm gonna live over oh, here. Oh, and we gonna keep the money yeah. flowing, okay? Because I'm not yeah. giving you nothing. Yeah. Uh, well, Emmett offers his condolences to her, and she said, and he says, no, no, no. She says, I don't know how I'll manage to fill the void. And then, like, she sees one of, the, one of his pieces of art going by. She's like, careful. Careful with that. It's valuable. And Emmett said, you, I'm sure you'll manage. Yeah, because okay. she's going to fill that void with 50% of that coin that she didn't get in their separation. That part, okay? And <laughs> yeah. she doesn't give not one damn about um, George. She is there collecting no, all the yeah. valuables, okay? All the valuables. She doesn't care about anything. And you I don't can look know when's the last time she's even been in that house. I know. Exactly. That part. So, no. Ugh. I would like, just push her ass down the stairs, please. Like, no. <laughs> no, no. Let's be done with her. Yeah, no. Uh, but Emmett tells her that he, you know, at for the service, he's planning on turning it into a celebration of George's life, or at least for his part of the service. And she says, that's sweet, but not necessary. Well, there won't be time. You know, George was a very important man. He had these political connections and social connections. But clearly she and didn't even know who he was. Because he was at the house all the time. Yeah, she doesn't know who he is. George don't give a damn about any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then she says, well, there will be prominent speakers there tomorrow. And what she's saying in her very waspy way is, you are a nobody and yeah. you have no place at the service. And you're not, yeah, you, better, you can come, but you're going to sit in the back. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to speak. Yeah. Uh, so while Emmett was there, he wanted to. The one thing that he wanted to take to remember George by, he didn't care about anything else. The one thing he came there to get was his own possessions and George's red cardigan. Look at the difference. This yeah. woman comes from money, so she. I mean, her family. She was the heiress of what? Maybe the I don't know. But she was the heiress Maybe of some uh, some dog because he has the pickles and she had the hot dogs or something. I can't yeah, remember. So I, I know. Yeah. Yeah, they, but they mix together. She comes from money, but she's uh, the first thing she's doing is already trying to collect all of the coins, right? Mm-hmm. Emmett, the one who should be able to, like, I'm going to go steal this. I'm taking, I'm putting this in my bag. He told me I can have this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's all he wanted is a, a red sweater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one that he called a creepy red sweater in the very beginning. You know what I'm saying? But right. he, he wants a sweater. That's it. in his own stuff. He don't want anything else. It just shows the comparison between the two. You know, right. like, I just, that's why I love Emmett. His heart is pure. Yeah. It's gold. I mean, this well, man is show, loving. And how much he really, like, that was George's favorite possession right. in that whole house, mm-hmm. probably. You know, was that's what made him feel, the that's what brought him the most comfort, was that red cardigan. Right. And that's the one thing in one, she was like, oh, you can have that little piece of trash. Right, yeah. You know? I mean, she brought that, like, yeah, take that, I'm glad you danced for nothing else. Mm-hmm. And she, lucky Emmett was feeling sick, or, you know, and down and out, because he would have read her ass like a book like he did last time yeah. when they were at the opera. Yeah, so basically she says, well, take your sweater and your memories and run along. Basically, she's saying that's all you will will, will have of him. Like, your time here is done. But the look on her face when he leaves, like, 
I think even though she was harsh in her words, it's clear that she feels threatened by right. him and inferior to him because she knows George. that George was truly happy with mm-hmm. Emmett, truly loves Emmett. And she can be as nasty as she wants, but it doesn't erase the truth. And it she doesn't. knows what the truth is. And the truth can hurt sometimes. Yep. And But so. that jealousy and pride will get you every time. So every time. Just like Lindsay's dealing with jealousy in her mm-hmm, way, mm-hmm. Vir- you would think Emmett would be the one to be jealous, but it's Virginia who's jealous. He's securing himself. He knew he had the, bri- he had yeah. the prize. He's like, he we knew- had a real connection, a right. real relationship. Yeah. He was even when he found out who George was, he was still willing to walk away from that because he felt disrespected by right. the way George treated him. So it was never about the money; it was about the real, actual connection for him. You know, so she should feel a little, she should feel threatened um, by Emmett because Emmett did everything right. Mm-hmm. He stayed true to himself, and he found love, mm-hmm. and that man loved him. Yep. Uh, then Michael and Justin are at the comic shop, and they're planning and brainstorming. And now that they have the the bones of their superhero, they need to flesh him out a bit. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the things that are important. Like, hey, he's gay. He lives in a gay world. He has gay sex. And I think that's very... It just kind of speaks a lot to what they were doing with the show. Like, hey, we're not going to hide the fact that these are gay characters. These are gay mm-hmm. men. And so Rage is specifically a gay superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michael says... That he was thinking of a story, um, but he's kind of hesitant to share it. And Justin says something, and I want to like highlight and circle and underline what Justin says here. He says, we're partners now. We have to share what's on our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I'm going to skip past that, even though I did highlight it and circle it and underline it. <laughs> uh, Michael says he was thinking about Rage um, saving a kid's life after he was bashed. Well, we clearly know what inspired that idea. Oh, I didn't know what to feel when he said yeah. that. Like, I was thinking, like, oh, my God, it's a great idea. Then is that too close to home? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is it too soon? Yeah. You know, like, I, I was like, I don't know. But Justin's response was everything. Yeah, he says, I think it's a great idea. And Michael says, well, it's awfully personal. And Justin says, the best idea, the best art usually is. And that's true because mm-hmm. the best art is honest art. Um, and Justin says, and I think this is so important right here. He says, I want to talk about it. The trouble is... No one actually wants to listen. And that's kind of news to us, but not really, but kind of. Because Justin spent the first part of the season in the pretending, hospital, well, in the hospital, then pretending everything was fine. Right. And then around the Pride episode, he finally acknowledged that everything was definitely not fine. Mm-hmm. And when he tried to talk to Brian about it, Brian said, don't think about it. Like, you know, don't think about it. Just, just move on. And he wasn't trying to be rude. But we know, because we know Brian has his own issues mm-hmm. surrounding the bashing, but he just like, just Brian can't... couldn't talk about it, right. so that he couldn't allow Justin to talk to him, to him about it. And then you know how moms are, when, if you bring up something like that, then they, they panic and mm-hmm. they overreact and it just becomes this like bigger thing. <laughs> they make it about something that it's not. And I can't imagine Justin going to Ted to talk about it. Oh, no. That would be... No, that would never work. Yeah. Or even Emmett. And even though they love and respect each other, they don't have that kind of, right. of relationship. Um, I think Daphne would listen, but I don't think he wants to put all his eggs in one basket necessarily. Right. Plus, Also, Daphne is living her best right, life right she's now. She's in this new phase yeah. of life, you know, where she's experiencing college and everything that comes with that. And... Even when they hang out, I'm sure the conversation just doesn't lend itself to that topic. And he may not want to pull her back in, into right. that, you know. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to discuss something that deep when she's talking about her roommates and college parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, 
the important thing is Justin is feeling like he doesn't have an outlet for something that is going on in him. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, and Michael says, well, hey, this could be a chance for you to talk about it. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people express their trauma or their emotions or their feelings through art, through what yeah. they create. I mean, you know me. I, that's what I always preach to my kids that I coach is um, creative freedom and expression. Put it into art. Leave it out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get to transform into someone else and you get to leave your story and your stamp there. Just express yourself freely. And I mean... It's a release. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's the best idea. He yeah. definitely should go with the story. He'll be able to release it. It'll be honest, like you said, which means he'll have some great content to talk about. Um, and that'll be the best way to jumpstart this superhero. Yeah. And Justin, he, he, he can see all of that. Justin can see all of that. And he says, well, and, you know, just kind of lighten things up. He says, and it'll be how rage meets the love of his life. And Michael says, well, I thought rage doesn't believe in love. And Justin says, well, we'll let him think that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay, can I be petty for just a minute? Go on. Okay, now the majority of you can ignore me, but this is just for my petty friends out there. So after Michael shares his idea, I'm thinking, oh, okay, so when you say you had a million story ideas, you meant you wanted to use my real life uh, for your comic book fantasy? That oh, part, okay, cool. okay yeah, <laughs> seriously, okay. God, he had no damn stories. You didn't have no idea. Okay. You, your idea is my real life, yeah. my day to day. Exactly. <laughs> what are you going to do is what, Boring Superman shits? I mean, <laughs> we know you read all the comic books, but you don't have a million stories. Yeah. That's your, well, I had one story. I mean, I don't, You mean I, my real life? Yeah. That's your one story I did. Got it. Yeah, boy, Michael is something else. <laughs> but you say what you got to say to get your people on board. That's you know? true. You will work it once y'all get together. <laughs> yeah. Big ups to you, Michael. <laughs> Uh, then Brian is at the loft having a smoke and he's waiting for Justin to get home. And I love the song playing here. It's Teenage Sensation by Gus Gus. And I like to imagine that that's Brian's ringtone for Justin <laughs> and that that's how he thinks of him. Like the lyrics are, you you are beyond all imagination. I love you so much. Can I look? Can I touch? It's like a great song choice mm-hmm. for this moment. So Justin walks in and he notices that Brian is awake and he says, you're still up. And Brian says, look you're again. <laughs> says, yeah. Look again. He says, but he says, yeah, you're late. It's it's after three. And there's an edge to Brian's voice. And I think, because he's thinking, no way was he with, with Michael. Like, I don't even think that's what, that right. was his first thought. No. Um, I love this side of um, Brian. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sensing a little bit of jealousy. Mm-hmm. You understand? A little concern. Yeah. And it wasn't concern like, Oh, are you okay? You got home late. No, like, where you been? Yeah. But he don't want to ask that question because you haven't given no title. So you really can't ask me that, yeah. you know? But it's almost like, mm, you was with him all night? Really? With Michael? <laughs> with Michael. Yeah. Till three in the morning. For real? Uh-huh. Where you been at? Okay, so let me stretch right quick because I'm about to reach for the freaking stars. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so it's not expressly stated anywhere that they have sides of the bed, but usually when we see them... Just, like, laying down, not in the act of anything. Brian is on the left. Like, if you're standing at the foot of the bed, looking at the bed. Brian's on the left, and Justin's on the right, usually. So, that, to me, that means Brian is laying on Justin's side of the bed. And I'm going to say it's because that side of the bed has a better view of the front door Uh, that he's waiting on his man to walk through. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you all for showing up to witness that acrobatic feat of me stretching. Or... (laughs) Maybe he was missing him and he wanted to smell him because his scent is now on the that, covers. Okay, reach. I'm reaching. Okay, I want to reach with you, baby. Yes. I want to reach with you. 
Okay, back to the scene. Uh, Justin tells Brian that it doesn't count that he's late because he was with Michael. They were being super productive. And Justin says, it's like, we share the same brain. You know, they had this great creative (laughs) session. And Justin brought home some research with him. And so he's sitting at the foot of the bed and he's going to like go through it. And Brian's like poking him with his foot, trying to get him. He wants him to focus on him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, look, you've been gone all day, dude. And so he says, come over here. Yo, that come over here was everything. <laughs> yes, I, I leaned, I leaned up closer That's to the, the screen. That's the whole episode. That yes. come over here. For real. Like, that 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 come over here was just, I don't know. It's just, I can't explain it. It was just the look in his eyes, the gleam in his eye, the assertiveness in his voice. You know, but it was also friendly. It wasn't commanding. No, it, it was wasn't. like, I want you. Yeah, like, yeah, like, I want you. Like, no. I've been I waiting need for you, you. all yes. night. Yeah. I'm I'm fiending for you. Mm-hmm. Come here, you know? And Justin does what he says. He I comes, mean, he gives him the bedroom voice, eyes, vibes, everything. all of it. Just is what Brian gives him. And so Justin, of course, has no choice but to crawl up that bed to him. And I just like the way they touch, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not acting. I just, and I know I say it all the time, guys, so forgive me. I don't care. <laughs> I say it all the time. It is not acting. Just his touch. It's so real. I mean, the way he looked at him, he put his hand underneath him. It was just, it's the small things yeah, that I look for. They just sold themselves yeah. to these characters, is what they did. And it creates just beautiful chemistry yeah. and beautiful scenes on, on screen. But so they're making out and the phone rings and it's Michael calling. <laughs> Michael needs to have some boundaries, okay? For real. It is after three. Do not call me. Yeah. Okay? Period. Uh, well, Justin's used to this. If it was Michael calling for Brian or just showing up at the law for Brian, but Brian is not used to it being the case that Michael's calling for Justin. <laughs> and he's always like, hey, it's four in the morning. But Michael tells him creativity does not punch a time clock. Right. <laughs> so Brian passes the phone to Justin. But after two seconds, he's like, nope, okay, that's it. It's my time now. Over. And Justin says, well, that was important. And Brian says, well, so so is this. And he wants Justin's time and attention now. I mean, <laughs> he hasn't had any, so I think he's owed that. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to see that time yeah. and that attention. Okay. Well, and he is pulling out all of these seductive moves right now. Girl, he was going for the groceries, okay? <laughs> he was about to eat the booty like groceries, okay? I was yeah. here for it. But the next thing he hears is Justin snoring. I'm like, get the baby some Adderall. Like, give him my, some no-dos, yeah, some, some no-do, coffee, something. something. Like, like, God. And Brian cannot believe this is his real life and that this has happened. I'm, to Brian Kenny. This has got to be the first time it's ever happened to him. Ever. Yeah. He has a sexy man. Well, he looking sexy as hell. Yeah. And then somebody falls asleep on him. Right. As he's licking down their spine down to the groceries. Like, <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. How do you go to sleep on that? I Because that would have been tooted for me, okay? It would have been up and high. Back arch. Yeah, back is arched, okay? <laughs> I will get sleep when I'm dead, okay? Like, no. Not, tonight, I want all, all of it. I want everything. Yeah. Um. So, Brian is usually not this needy, at least not conspicuously so. But I do think a part of him wanting attention is valid. Another part is rooted in something else. That's man. Yeah, it is. He hasn't seen him in a few days. And they he's time really not day. used to... No. He doesn't have to fight for anybody's attention. They're mm-hmm. always fighting for his. Mm-hmm. So this is a weird dynamic for him. Right. And, like, 
and not to say that's all he and Justin have and that's all that Justin gets from him, but it's an important part of who he is as an individual and their relationship. It's not even just about sex. He right. hasn't seen Justin. Right. Justin hasn't given him any time. I mean, anytime Justin's around in this episode, he's with Michael. Right. You know? He's missing that connection. Yeah, he's missing that. So it's not even about sex. I mean, we all know that their love language is through sex and touch. So, I mean, like, we know that's what they do. So when he got home at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, yes, he was horny. So, you know, he wouldn't do the, the touch. But just in general... He wants just to spend time. He want to laugh. Right. He want to play. He want that that little fork play. They need, yeah, they yeah. need that reconnect. We talked mm-hmm. about that last episode. Mm-hmm. How they little things, whether it's a, t- a forehead touch or just a, like a little kiss. Or right. They need that reconnect. Mm-hmm. And Brian is desperately craving that yeah. right now. He don't get it tonight because... <laughs> <laughs> Justin needed some Z's. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then Melanie and Lindsay are upstairs with what look like empty tool belts. And now I'm already like, uh-uh, nah, girl. Pay somebody. Yeah, pay. But my thing is, y'all are watching it from a VH, VHS exactly. tape. Okay? Like, stop it right yeah. now. And Lindsay says the salesperson at the hardware store told him to follow along with that video and do exactly what the tape says. And I'm, I can already tell you that's a setup because, you know, that hardware store is running a racket. <laughs> because I'm telling you. They know good and dang well that whoever thinks they can renovate an attic with no experience and a VHS tape with tracking at that <laughs> is about to tear something up. Yep. And that means they will be right back in the hardware store making money, more supplies. And that person also has a contract <laughs> with the renovation company, with the construction company, whatever the case. Yep. So he's going to send them right on over there and he get yeah. a kickback. That's a whole scheme they got yeah. running over there at that hardware yeah, store. Uh, so Brian is there, and it looks like he was downstairs spending time with Gus because he has like a burp, burp rag on his shoulder. So he was probably there to do that, but just came up to see what was going on with them. I was like, he got to be bored. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be over here with the with the girls. Yeah, uh, he does offer them to offer to help them measure wood because he's an expert at that. <laughs> mm. Can you measure me up, sir? Eyes <laughs> ready. And Lindsay's like, see how easy this is? I told you we don't need Lita. And Brian's like, mm, I detect a note of jealousy. Yeah, me because too. Because he knows Lindsay. And she's like, no, no, no. I just I just want to do it. And Brian's like, mm, girl. Girl, Even save Melanie it. is like, yeah, Brian, mm-hmm. I think you're on to something. And when they're agreeing, <laughs> you know something's up. <laughs> yeah. Well, watching Lindsay with that circle, circular saw, I'm like, mm-mm. She scared me with that. She did, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yo, y'all finna lose everything. Fingers, toes, everything. It's mm-hmm. gone. Put the saw down now. I was like, unplug it. <laughs> Hurry up, unplug it. <laughs> yeah. But Brian got up out that attic when she turned. Yeah, he knows better. Uh, then George's service is underway, and the guy speaking is talking about how, lo- how much he loved his family. I'm kind of like, girl, where? <laughs> I... This is how you know that Virginia doesn't even know George fully. I mean, yes, she was married to him for however many years, you know, a lifetime or whatever the case. But this man, he barely liked you. And when he gave you his true self, y'all abandoned him. Exactly. The children and you. Okay. Exactly. He did not love y'all. I mean, he loved y'all. Y'all didn't love him. And you got some man up here telling this lie in the church. Get out of here. Let Emmett come up there and speak and stop playing these games. Yeah. She basically, Virginia basically made him hide in shame in his house. And yeah. also just like the people that he was probably used to being around because of his, his business and his life or whatever. The hall that they went to see. Aida, I think it was, mm-hmm. was na- was named after him, and he could not Didn't even go, go there. there. Yeah, mm. and so like 
excuse me, all of you fake and phony people up yes. in this service. Why are y'all in here now that I'm gone? Because yeah. nobody was at the mansion when I was alive. Yeah, and Virginia is sitting front row in this place is full of people who probably couldn't even tell you the last time they saw George. And Emmett and Ted are having to like sneak into the service, basically, to find a place to sit. Well, anyway, um, as they're sitting and they're listening to this guy, Ted is saying, hey, if you want to say to deliver your speech, now is the time to do it. And so Emmett gets up because he wants to go and share his tribute like everyone else was allowed to. But it's clear they were expecting him. They were already planning for this because... She's evil. Yeah, she gives one little look at this guy and they bodily remove him. Well, for one, get your hands up off me. That's assault, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm pressing charges, okay? And I'm getting paid now. Now I wasn't about the money, (laughs) but I can't even give my respects to my man, okay? He wasn't even your man, girl. You ain't even had sex in forever. As a matter of fact... See, I'm about to go too far again. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He ain't even your man, girl. And and you gonna have the nerve to give a look and have these little brutes come over here and escort me up out of here? And I'm mad at the pastor. Why did the why didn't the preacher say something? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you sitting there looking, this is the house of God. You gonna let them carry me out of here because I wanna speak? Yeah, and um, they say this is for friends and family only. And I'm like, show me the people in here who qualify as, as a that friend right now. You and know? just because, because y'all blood know who he really is, yeah. you know? And blood only connects you. Y'all are not family. Mm-hmm. Okay? Family is what you make of it, who you make of it. Right. Emmett was family, okay? Jonathan was family. People who stayed with him, they, they were family. You and your little children and these other people in here, y'all are not family. It's sad to watch because George's true self can't even be validated in his death. In his you death. Know? His wife in his social circle, they all shamed him when he was alive and made him live in the closet. And now, even in his death, they're trying to keep him there. So, I just hate watching that, seeing Emmett being... They seeing them drag Emmett out of right. there. I just, just hate to watch that. Um. Then at the loft, Brian walks in, and Rage has taken over. This is no longer Brian's loft. This no. is now Rage's lair. <laughs> and I will say they made a mess of the lair. They might be doing a bit much because there is paper everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, and Brian is getting annoyed. At first, it was just like ah, oh, whatever they're doing, it's whatever. A but project. now, like. Okay, you're calling at four in the morning. Justin's staying out past three. You're falling asleep when I'm putting down my best yeah. moves. And <laughs> every like, day you're here. Okay, yeah, like, like what is, is my turning, sanctuary? This is turning into a little bit. This is how your partner feels when I show up every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, never that. Okay, never. Yeah. Uh, but so Brian's just trying to walk into his home. And they're like, hey, don't walk right there. Those are in sequence. Don't go <laughs> Go around. <laughs> giving him all his own, giving him direction in his own house. Mm-hmm. And so that we go back to the screen and we see what Michael and Justin are working on. And we find out that Michael, I mean, Zephyr is a character in the comic. And he's Rage's best friend. And if you thought that Michael was going to let Brian and Justin be the central focus of this comic book <laughs> without being somewhere up in the mix, you are outside of your mind. <laughs> I love how he want to make Zephyr, you know, the total opposite of what he is. Yeah, the bigger pecs, a little <laughs> yeah, bit taller. Yeah, a little taller. And Michael is a sidekick in his own comic book. How are you a sidekick <laughs> in your own comic, bro? But he knows his lane, okay? Uh, you know what, I'm, <laughs> long as you know. If you like it, I love it. For real. Um, Brian is telling Justin and reminding him that, hey, it's Chest of Death Night at Babylon. And Justin's like, yeah, okay. He doesn't sound super excited, not just about it being Chest of Death Night, but to Brian, it's like 
Justin doesn't sound super excited about going out and having fun with him. Yeah, exactly. Neither one of them because mm-hmm. normally they both like, okay, yeah, we're both going. Yeah. But uh, neither, no, they're, I mean, literally focused on right. completing this comic. On you what know? they're doing, yeah. And then Brian says, well, all, ner- all work and no play make Mikey and Sunshine dull boys. Like he, he uses mm-hmm. both of their, their nicknames there. But yeah, he's just getting more and more fed up and tired with this whole with this whole thing yeah. or, or bothered by it yeah i mean i kind of like to see him bothered because you mm-hmm. know brian is always unbothered yeah well, and yeah yeah i just like to see him you know i like to see i like to be under his skin yeah well he's eating those words he said earlier like oh i can't wait to not be the center of everyone's right. universe well now as they're, they start orbiting around something else he's like wait a minute now <laughs> like uh y'all both leaving me yeah <laughs> then ted and emmett are already at at babylon and Emmett is out of the house, but he's still hurt and upset over what happened at the funeral. And and right, rightfully so, um, because he didn't get the closure that he was hoping to get there. Emmett is telling Ted, I'll never get to say my speech. And Ted says, well, say it to me. I'll listen. And Emmett says, thanks, but it wouldn't be the same. And I think that Ted is being a good friend to Emmett here. This whole episode, he's been trying to help him move forward and trying to help him adjust. and. Ted has some dealings with, you know, a hard ending to a relationship. Not death, but what he went through with Blake was a pretty hard thing, you know, and he needed to be moved forward Mm -hmm. from that. And so I think he's trying to offer that to Emmett. Remember when he was in his, you know, that little marathon of masturbation and porn, Emmett showed up to pull him out of that. And so Mm -hmm. now he's going to do that for Emmett. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Ted probably suspected that Emmett wouldn't be welcomed at that service oh he knew it but he didn't want, i mean yeah you can't tell your friend yeah that. but it was it was important to emmett and so ted was like okay i'll be right there by your side yeah, and i'm go. glad that he went yeah um one thing i will say is that i'm so happy that ted is um emmett's rock in this episode mm-hmm. the other guys and girls didn't address it at all yeah you know like i don't know if the writers i mean i mean clearly it's the writers but i don't know why the writers were right you know what I'm saying them not addressing it mm-hmm. we had a whole episode with debbie chasing down you know what I'm saying? The murder of a kid that she didn't even know. Right. And we and didn't hear her not once. Into, you know, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear her not once or any of the other guys. Yeah. You know, give Emmett a hug or his, you know, say, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. My condolences. Anything like yeah. that. Yeah. And maybe it happened. Let's just assume some of it happened off screen, but, but you're right. It's not, they're not continuing to be there for mm-hmm. him. But I think it points to, he has a different type of relationship with Ted than he has right. with the rest of him. Well, they're all clicked then, up. Yeah, know? and Ted knows him in a different in a different way. So he sees because they're used to images kind of bouncing from one thing to the right, next, right. you know. And so I think they're just kind of like expecting him to like bounce on to the next thing. But Ted is there to like, no, that's not necessarily going to mm-hmm. be going to be the case. You know, he's a little bit deflated now, so he won't bounce as quickly, you know, as he did before. Uh, but. Yeah, he's offering to hear the speech that Emmett worked so hard on and put so much thought and love into. And I'm proud of Ted because we're used to him being very cynical, but here he's not doing that. So Ben comes over to tell Brian, they're at Babylon, Ben comes over to tell Brian that it looks like they've both been stood up. Michael and Justin were supposed to come when they were done, but they have not finished yet because they're not there. Brian's like, oh, you know, it's just a comic book. That's what's taking up all their time. And Ben says there's nothing as sexual as the art of creating. He says, and he's speaking from experience, he says it's very, he gets very turned on when he's in that creative headspace. And 
Brian says, is that what they mean by stroke of genius? I love that line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it really is a different type of, of bliss when you're when you feel that creative energy flowing through you. you that's know? how I feel every Tuesday. Yeah, so yeah, you know <laughs> me too. Well, like this is like even when we've had a crazy day of work and travel and whatever else, and then like all this stuff to get we've got to set up equipment and you know all this junk. Once we start going, it's like you don't even we think going. about no. that. Mm-mm. Yeah, but that's why I told you. Like um, sidebar. This is my peace. Yeah. You know, like, I, I love coming to this microphone and being around you every week to discuss this. But like you said, like he said, it really is. It's a different type mm-hmm. of excitement, you know. But I like the way he was describing it to Brian because yeah. I feel like he was trying to get under Brian's skin with well, that. Well, it's like, Ben, I know you're just being Ben here, but you are not helping. At dude. all. Like, you're making not it worse. Helping. I mean... <laughs> And Brian is trying to fight back. I mean, trying to be you know, typical Brian. He says, well, you have your orgasms between the pages and I'll have mine between the sheets. <laughs> but really what it comes down to is Brian doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, He is annoyed and he's feeling abandoned. And he's not even looking at him like, why are you even here? Like, I didn't tell you to step up and talk to mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. We barely should even have a conversation anyway because we know the history between us and how your man was feeling beforehand. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't too like, many episodes ago. Yeah, like... Back, back. I didn't even ask for this. Like, I'm over here trying to enjoy my corona, and you over here giving me everything that I didn't want in here. Yeah. And, but Ben keeps going. Going. I really don't think he's doing it on purpose. I think he he doesn't know Brian like that. Okay, know? I'll give you that. I'll retract that. Maybe no, no. he wasn't doing it to get under his skin or whatever the case. But, but that's what he's doing, but regardless. Slow it down. Read. You, yeah. You a professor. Read, read between. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, read the fucking room. Yeah. Uh, ben says, well, I bet it's the same with Michael and Justin with what they're doing right now. What they're sharing is the most intense form of intimacy there is. And I will say this. There is something very intimate about creating something with someone else. Like, we have known each other for over two decades, mm-hmm. and it is just now where we have reached a point in our friendship where it is like deep and we yeah. connect on a whole new a level whole new. because of creating this podcast with each other. And I mean, it opens up your mind in a different way. Yep. It, you know, brings out a different type of vulnerability. Uh, so I know that there is some truth to what, right. <laughs> to what Ben is saying. I wish Brian could just see that, Hey, these two were at odds for forever in a day. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're together clearly is a good thing. They're creating something special. You know, like, don't... I mean, that's I Ben? I mean, Brian. Please make... You know what I'm saying? Just let them be. Yeah. Don't be annoyed. Let it go. Okay. But he can't get there because Ben <laughs> says, you know, not even the hottest lay in the world can come close to that type of Bro. connection. And he says, you know, let's have a drink while our boyfriends are cheating on us. And yeah. he's just like, oh, let's just do whatever yeah. wait for him to come home. It's like, Ben, no... Sir. I'm like, zip it, click it, and kick it. Like, throw the key away, bro. Yeah. Zip it, click it, and kick it. Like, I'm done. Like, shut up. Yeah, he does again, he doesn't know Brian super well, so maybe it's not his fault, but he has found Brian's sore spot, and he has stuck a whole dagger in it. Like, Brian has... <laughs> and twisted it. ...a lot of insecurities, definitely around things like this, like, emotional connections mm-hmm. and relationships and things like that, and Ben has, yeah, stuck that dagger in there real good. Yeah. Because, you know, great sex is what Brian thinks he offers Justin. Mm-hmm. And really not much else besides, you know, a place to live. Right. But really, just in a pinch, Justin could go to Debbie's or yep. in a real go pinch home. to Jennifer's. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Brian knows he's hot. He knows he's good in bed. He knows that he's good at his job. And he's headstrong. But that's really all Brian thinks that he is, you know. And 
He doesn't think he's a good father. He doesn't really think he's a good friend. He definitely doesn't think he's a good partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so he's like, okay, all I can offer is what's <laughs> in the bedroom. And here you're telling me something that it's there's something that's better than that, that that Justin is lacking because somebody else can offer it to him and I can't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Brian knows that he can offer, like, great sex. But outside of that, he's like, you know, what else have I got? And uh-huh. I know some people may not believe it, but they've given us enough evidence to conclude that Brian has some self-worth problems. Yes. And to him, the only thing that he's confident of is his sexual prowess, yep. you know? And he can give it to Justin on a very frequent basis. Yep. And But he's aware of his own limitations in a relationship mm-hmm. and emotionally. And some of it he chokes down because, um, you know, he's, out of, he's limiting limiting himself. That's though. what I was gonna say. Some mm-hmm. of it he chokes down out of self preservation mm-hmm. or fear or pride and ego, maybe. But there are other parts of it that he can't control. It's just remnants and products right. of his childhood trauma that's carried over into adulthood, and so he knows that there are things that Justin either does or could come to want that he can't or won't. Right. I'll, I can, I'll say that part too. Won't offer, and. Here, he was thinking that maybe, okay, well, nothing can compare to or replace our sexual chemistry. Right. But then there's Ben saying, <laughs> well, maybe that's not true. There's something better. Right. So Brian's bothered. <laughs> I kind of low-key enjoy him being bothered. <laughs> I do. I-, I love it. We never see him bothered. He needs to be bothered. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, but I think this is opening him up to, like, even though he's experiencing this, he may not be aware of it. That he's experiencing, he's like, oh, there's something more than physical in- intimacy. There's a difference. There's like an emotional intimacy right. or, or intellectual intimacy. So this could be a learning uh, point for him. Yeah, learning it moment could for be. Him. Well, I think it, initially it's kind of scaring him because it's he's shocking. like, I don't have that. You mm-hmm. know, and so at first it's kind of like, Ugh, you know, but. But then you, you come a ways how to figure out how to get your man or get whatever you want. Whatever your goal is, you have a great tactic to get that. Yeah. Okay. Let me keep moving. So, Lindsay and Melanie have slapped some drywall up. And it, it basically looks like a death trap up in Girl, the- I wouldn't even be in an attic. Now I'm <laughs> yeah. scared. Okay. Lindsay is so blinded by jealousy. She refuses to admit defeat. You know, if that means Alita would be lurking above her head. <laughs> I take it all back. Lita, we need you. Yeah. Lita, we Come need you. Come to the rescue, Lita. Please. Paging uh, all leaders. The, the helpful lady on the video tells them to disconnect the pipes. And then after that, she says, make sure you turn off the water. They did not follow instructions. And so they are basically flooding the attic. And I'm like, Lindsay, throw in the towel, girl. It's over. It's over, baby. It's over, boo. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. That's a wrap. I surrender. It is not a snap. Don't listen no, to that lady on that video. It's a snap. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Brian has brought home some snacks from Babylon for him and Justin. So Ooh, he, baby, he brought the snack, the yeah, entree, the appetizer, the he everything. He was clearly pressed by what Ben says. And so he's like, okay, well, I want to remind Justin of something fun and something exciting that we can do together so that we can kind of, you know, reconnect together and give him something to be excited about because he's been excited about this stuff with rage this whole time and so i want to give him something else so he shows up with uh, these two guys and he goes into the bedrooms like rise and shine sunshine uh but when he walks into the bedroom mikey and sunshine are conked out and michael has his hand on justin's hip correction and it was not even on the very tip of michael's fingernail thank you barely grazing justin's jeans barely touching okay (laughs) And that's too much for Brian. Like, final straw with Ben's words in the back of his mind. Brian is pissed (laughs) at this point. And he goes out 
tells the tricks, like, party's over, kicks them out, and then he just starts destroying their work in a jealous and immature fit. This is why I do not like this man. Okay, this is why I be having bipolar feelings with this man, okay? Because <laughs> I, I, I like him. But I have, I'm very bipolar with it. Why? Why would you rip down all of that work and step all over that work yeah. and ruin it? If you saw how long it took him to do it, he was away from you, so now you're upset. Yeah. If you saw how long it took him to do it, why would you ruin that? Yeah, and this not your just best like friend. rip it down. I mean, pees on it. He pissed on their artwork. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's this. There is no coming back. No, from that, y'all know okay? how much I love Ryan, but I can't defend that one. You better not, because no, I'm about I to can't. get dead on you. No, I can't defend and, it. Girl. Like, We'll talk some more about it later, but I cannot defend his actions right Mm-mm. here. Like, this was completely over yeah. the top. Yeah. I, I, ooh, I was so upset. I was yeah. like, hell no. So the next morning, Michael and Justin wake up, and they are spooned against each other. So cute. Yeah, and Michael's hand goes on a little journey into Justin's private Let's business. Let's just say that Justin <laughs> put his hand He there. did put his hand on the journey toward his private business. Uh, but when they wake up and realize who they're in bed with, they both kind of, like, laugh it off. Yes, they're in Because shock. there's nothing sexual no, between ever. them. They're just like, no, mm-hmm. not at all. And I think even even Brian knows that. He knows that shit. He's just being yeah, jealous. Yeah, that's not what it, that's not what it's about. It's not about, like, their sexual chemistry or whatever. But, um, but I do want to say something here. Like, I'm not sure that was the intention of the writers. But when they realize where they are and who they're with, Michael says, I thought you were Ben. And Justin says, well, I thought you were Brian. Well, and clearly it goes without saying that they got each other mixed up. But I kind of took that almost as them proving what Ben was saying. Like They got so comfortable with each other that it was nothing for them to just kind of fall asleep in bed and think, oh, you're the person who's supposed to, to be here. I mean, they are barely friends at this point in the series. But after spending these last few days together creating Rage, it kind of expedited this bond between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, again, in no way are they sexually attracted to each other. It, it's not even about that. I mean, it's it's just about the fact that they're connecting. Mm -hmm. And I love that they are, I mean, I love that they're spending so much time together. I love that they're creating a bond. I love that it was a comic book, something that Michael loves, that brought them together. Yeah. You know, so. And and he gets to incorporate his art. So it's something they both love. Michael loves comics. He loves to draw, put it together. Hell, they can make some money. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's that Brian's being pushed to the background. He's starting to feel irrelevant. Like that's, you know, that's kind of what, what's going on with him. But. Even though he knows nothing happened with them in, in that's the why of the bed. he shouldn't have de- never done some shit like that. Yeah, you know nothing. For one, you know Michael would never do that to you. You would yeah. do that to Michael. Michael would never do that to you. He would definitely do that to <laughs> Michael. Yeah, ju- I don't think Justin would do that. No, to ju- him, not with Michael. <clears throat> no, 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 no. I mean. Brian, uh-huh. if it was Brian working with, with one of Michael's little tricks, Michael's boy, Michael really had a man like that, but yeah. if it was somebody Michael was seeing and it was Brian, whatever the case, and, you know, Brian would have been in those guts. I'm sorry to say it. <laughs> Brian would have been knee deep I'm, I'm sorry. in those guts. Let's stop playing. Um, and that's why he's jealous, because he knows that he would have done it. You know. No comment. Mm. Uh, so, but probably. I'm true. just trying to push your buttons. I know yeah, how you know love you your are. baby. I know how you love him. <laughs> no, but I, I can I can acknowledge when he's wrong. 
Okay, so then Justin gets up to find Brian, because they're still in the bed at this point. So Justin gets up to go find Brian. They think, okay, maybe he slept on the couch, because we were in the bed, maybe he slept on the couch. And he sees that Brian has left just a trail of destruction in his wake. But sidebar, I was thinking, surely he didn't sleep on that couch with it smelling like straight piss in there. (laughs) And again, I'm just like, bro... You pissed in your own apartment? Yeah. On your own floor? You he pissed? He might have been a little... Well, he was emotional. He might have been a little drunk, too. I mean, he was drinking the hell out of them Coronas, I will say that. But, uh, bruh, you pissed on your own cat. I mean, your own floor. Yeah. Like, stop playing with me. But anyway, he is... He's not there, but there is a whole bunch of just mess left behind. Uh, so when we do see Brian, he is hiding out at the diner, and Michael and Justin go and confront him, and they are demanding an explanation from him. And they're like, hey, why did you do that? What is wrong with you? What is going on? And Brian can't even say anything to them. And I know his silence might make him look like an even bigger jerk, but the sarcastic remark that he tries to make just kind of dies before he can even get it out because he knows that he overreacting and went over the top. Yeah, I think the silence is like a, a form of um, humility. Yeah, he's ashamed. I think yeah. he's already ashamed of himself. I, I love that he yeah. was silent, that yeah. he didn't give those remarks that he, he normally he would do. He knows he was way out of line. He he can't even bring himself to really even look at right, them. Yeah. You know, even when they slam the, the PP paper on the counter in front of him and he flicks it away, it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he doesn't want to be reminded of of what he did. But so anyway, they are very upset and not letting him off the hook. And they don't need to let him off the hook, though. But I'm glad that he's actually mm-hmm. you know, feeling some type of remorse. Because normally Brian wouldn't give a damn. Like, I, right. I said what I said. I did what I did, you know. Right. But he knew that he messed up. And he knew that it was all because of jealousy. So he really can't say anything. I mean, they have valid points yeah, I think even, on his ass. I think he didn't necessarily know the name for the emotion he was feeling. But he knew... That, yeah, he he was very wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, Debbie overhears all of this, which, of course, she does because it happened in Pennsylvania. She overhears everything that <laughs> happens in that state. But she walks over to Brian, and he's like, hey, Debbie, give me a minute before you go in on me because I'm already pretty raw, you mm-hmm. know, with my own, you know, dealing with my own stuff, plus them coming and confronting me, like, hey, give me a minute. And she tells him that the Supermom handbook says, you know, no kicking a-holes when they're down. And so she's like, you know, I won't I won't do that to you. And Brian says, I'm not an a-hole. I'm just drawn that way. And, yo, that line is perfect because so many people read the character of Brian that way. But he's not simply what you see on the surface. You know, there's, don't you roll your eyes at me. Yeah. <laughs> there's more to him. But anyway, Debbie says, hey, no, in this situation, no, that's exactly what you what you are. And she says, but I understand why. You're jealous. And he says, I don't do jealousy. That's for lesbians. Uh. Yeah. Mm, but I love that Debbie can call him. Debbie's yeah. the only one with enough balls to call him out. And Justin. But Debbie stays on his ass. Yeah. She will call him out. And she sees through it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's lived the full life. So she knows what it is. You know? Yeah. You're jealous. I've known you for a long time. I've never seen you act like this. You're jealous. Yeah. But I think the jealousy is very new from Brian. I don't think that's an emotion that he's familiar with. Never. And so definitely this type of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, a little bit of it is applied toward toward Michael. Um, 
He's not... A, he, so he wouldn't be jealous of Michael having a partner because he doesn't want Michael yeah. in, that, in that way. But he normally but has Michael's him, time. Yes, and I could see him being bothered by my, his role as Michael's bestie mm-hmm. being threatened or, or challenged, even though there's really no threat of that happening here. Uh, we don't always see things in perspective sometimes. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, I definitely 100 and, uh, 110% agree with you on that. But, bro... It's, I mean, well, yeah, I guess he does feel abandoned. I mean, his best friend and his boyfriend are always together. Who right. does he have? You well, know what I'm and earlier in season two, Michael got Comic-Con tickets for him and Brian. Yeah. You know? And then they were talking about how they had this childhood memory of being in that, like, Captain mm-hmm. Astro fan club together, you know? So that's always been their thing. And now it's like, oh, who are you doing that now with somebody some. else? But yeah. I will say, to Michael's defense... He invited you to Comic-Con. You chose to smash a cop. Okay? Yes. You got busy in the back well, listen, of the police car. Don't listen again. Point is, uh, <laughs> this was something that they used to bond over. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I've had this issue before. Now, true, I was in high school. I wasn't, you know, an adult. But Ooh, spilled the tea. But I've had this issue where my best friend or one of my best friends started spending time with other people. And I felt like, how dare you and was how dare a, they? Was this a girl best friend or a boy best a, friend? A guy best friend. Oh, okay. Keep going. Uh, Yeah, but so I know what that feels like. Uh-huh. And so you just kind of feel like you're being left behind. Now, it could be that I can relate to this because there are some traits that Brian and I have in common, you know, <laughs> with, with issues around that sort of thing that produce right. that kind of insecurity. And so I can totally relate to, to some of that. I understand it. I think we've all been victim to that. I brought up a name earlier tonight. Well, he took over my, he, he and my best friend, guy best friend, started hanging out and they pushed me to the side. They had a common love of basketball mm-hmm. and I didn't play basketball mm-hmm. and I would wake up late and I would go across the street because we live across the way from each other and I would go over there and knock on his door and his mom's, oh no, he's gone already. Oh, he's gone. Like, I mean, I shut down. I, yeah. th- I That's why I didn't like that person. <laughs> I told you earlier I didn't like him, but now as an adult, like, you know, that's all done, but. I did. I did not like him. Yeah, you really came and stole my best friend from me. Like, yeah, how dare but you? I just really—that's something that I struggled with a lot as a teenager, and some in in college even, uh, where you feel like I never, I never understood that there was room for both. You know, I felt like it either had to be me or them, and I didn't mm-hmm. realize that they could—they had the capacity to do both. And so, anyway, point is, I understand mm-hmm. being being jealous and it being like unfounded i I understand that uh but anyway so there's also the fact that brian has never been in a relationship and experienced that kind of jealousy either and i don't think that brian necessarily likes change unless he's the one who initiates it right and so but yeah this type of jealousy that he's having in this relationship with justin i mean remember all these emotions are new to him and you know everything he's feeling toward justin all that is new true to him and so it's kind of overwhelming him and so he is having a hard time, you know, yeah, just navigating. digesting everything. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. navigating all of this. So when Debbie's talking to him, she says, "You're you're denying your feelings, and I'm not surprised that you would do that." And she says, "But listen, they didn't. If you didn't love them so much, you wouldn't care." And that's that's so true of Brian. Like he can easily dismiss things that he cares nothing about. Nothing about. Just like clearly, you this shows how much you you love them because you do. You are bothered by this, and they are sharing something that you are not a part of. And um, she says, what you don't get is that they feel the same way about you. They worship the ground you walk on. Like, can, can you see that? Like, you are the person. They were. They could create a superhero out of anything. 
They chose you. you. Yeah. It looks just like you. Yeah. She says you're their hero, or at least you were. I think that Debbie loves being able to tell Brian that he's jealous and not to like hold something over him, but she likes knowing that he cares so deeply Mm -hmm. about someone that he can feel jealousy. Right. Mm -hmm. But she opens his eyes and she reminds him like, hey, they still love you. If anything, this project they're doing together highlights that. You know, what they're working on together has no impact on your relationship with either one of them. And so I think Brian's like, okay, now he's starting to, like, understand what's going on within him and in that situation. Because, again, he he wasn't worried about the two of them ever hooking up. But I do think he was worried about them moving on from him. Right. Because, you know, or at least, or better say that their ability to move on from him or in the possibility that it could happen. Is that healthy? Well, here's the thing. I think Brian's used to being abandoned, and he expects that, because that's what he grew up with. You know, his parents pretty much rejected and and abandoned him. And so that's what scares him. Um, And I think it's why he never let anybody grab on before, because that way he wouldn't have to deal with the hurt when they mm -hmm, let go. mm -hmm. And so he's always expecting that. And so here it was like, oh, they have something that has nothing to do with me. Like, before, he was the thing that connected the two of them. Right. And so now it's saying they can have a life that's totally independent of me. They don't necessarily... Him feeling like, oh, they don't need me anymore. That feeling like he's right. going to be... Right. Yeah, no, no. I can dig it. Abandoned. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, So, we leave that very heavy stuff and sobering realization with, for Brian. And we go over and we see Ted. And he's there with Emmett in, the, in his very fancy threads. <laughs> and he's trying to convince Emmett to come to the porn awards with him. And... Emmett's there in George's red cardigan and he's eating pickles. And um, he says, you know, he feels like George is still there with him when he's wearing that sweater. And Ted is like, look, he wouldn't want you to be a hermit. Which is true. Yeah, it is true. And Emmett's like, well, well, he was. And Ted says, he would want you to celebrate. And Emmett's like, celebrate what? <laughs> and Ted reminds him, hey, it was because of your work as fetch that it's you, how you met, met him. Met mm-hmm. George. Yeah. And so, to him, this is a, a good thing to celebrate. Were it not for that, you know, you wouldn't right. have, you wouldn't have met him. And I okay, pause. This, this episode's gonna be so freaking long. <laughs> pause. <laughs> so I know a lot of people uh hate the Fetch Dixon storyline because they don't like Why? seeing Emmett in that in that role. Even Peter Page didn't like love doing it because he said it felt like porn a little bit. And I even spoke a little bit about my own initial reservations with that storyline. What was it? Well, just like I wasn't used to thinking of Emmett in that way. I wasn't, but I'm glad they finally gave yeah. him some type of but role Emma's, like that. Emmett's yeah. very attractive. He's a yeah. sexual being. Like, it worked. But anyway, I think that story arc was less about Emmett and more about George and for people like George. So there are some men who only get to live their gay life behind a screen. Yep. <laughs> you know? Not even just men, but w- women and non-conforming, you know, non-gender conforming right. people also who only get to live that way behind behind a screen and with an online persona uh they can't or don't go live a life that's fully out either by choice or because they're not allowed to or whatever so they don't get to explore that unless they're on online and so right. and that was george you know uh but george reached out and decided to shoot his shot yeah, with well, Emmett. He, he shot it yeah and so i'm not trying to like convert people to love that storyline or whatever but i'm just suggesting if you look at it from that angle and think it was more that storyline was purposed to bring us George and to just show us people who only get to experience life in that way. <laughs> also, I mean, like, I didn't mind that storyline. To me, that's what's so real 
I mean, maybe it's TMI. I love porn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, I thought the storyline was so real. You know, like, um, he he originally didn't didn't branch out. He didn't start out wanting to do this. Mm-hmm. He only did it to help out his friend, and it just became something big, you know? Right. And he has never been the one who was always Mr. Popular, you know? Mm-hmm. He's been the sweet one. So this was something that, that blew up. I mean, he was doing more numbers than his idol was doing, you know? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, yeah, this exactly was cool, yeah. this was his way. It was his art. Like, how the comic book and the drawing for them, or their art, this was his art. It was his freedom of, of expression. And he was able to, you know, take on this alternate personality and create this, you know, create something for someone else. Like you said, the people who can't go out and live their best life, you yeah. know, they have to live behind that screen. So, I didn't see nothing wrong with the storyline. Yeah. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, but in the, the payoff was... George, and not just yes. George, that relationship that he got to have with Emmett. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that is encompassed in what Ted is telling him, like, hey, come to the awards, and not just to receive the award, because this isn't Ted, like, ooh, this is great, my website's nominated, da, da, da. This is like, hey, you did this, like, Fetch is the one who's nominated. Right. Come and accept, because Fetch will always and forever be connected to, to George, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's what... His Ted is trying to get him yeah. to come and come and celebrate. But anyway, Emmett is still grieving because he wasn't allowed to get that closure at the funeral and the way yeah. that he was just treated and it's terrible. You know, was terrible. So yeah, he's not really feeling it. Um, then we see Justin and Michael and they're at Woody's and they're both still hurt by what Brian did. And luckily they did back everything up, so it's not a total loss, but they're gonna have to reprint it all and then mm. sort it all. And so it's gonna take some work to replace it. And Michael is super quick to start explaining away Brian's behavior. <laughs> I mean, that's why he's the bestie, you know. Yeah, like, but he does. But he's had. I don't. I'm a little bit hesitant to say that he still knows Brian better. I'm a little hesitant to say that, but I will say he's had more experience. More, yeah, more years with, to deal with, with him with mm-hmm. these blowups, things that should have ended their friendship but didn't. They 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 kept they made it past it. Right. So he does have more experience with that. So it could be that that's where he's. Because he definitely him. doesn't know Brian better. Justin mm, I don't definitely, think so. Not anymore. Yeah, no. Mm. Ju- Ju- Justin knows Brian way better. Yeah. But like you said, Brian, uh, Michael has just more experience, more years of experience yeah. with these type of blow-ups. I mean, they've been friends for, you know, 15 plus years. Yeah. So. And so Michael said, and some of it, this has some truth. He says, well, you know, we did exclude him. We were in his face. We were in his face. We were in, even in his bed. We were in his Girl. loft. Michael I mean, doing the most. And yeah, the fact that you over here on that. No, no, is no. True. No. I don't think that that makes any of what Brian did okay. Okay. I don't thank think you. that makes it okay. No, but I'm just saying that's what Michael is saying. But Justin says, Don't tell me you're gonna be so quick to forgive him. He's that like part. you will put up with anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then but Michael says, you know, everybody has their, their limits. Uh but Justin says, you know, all this time I've been fooling myself thinking he loves me. And so that could sound like Justin's being an overdramatic teenager, mm-hmm. but let's just kind of dig into that okay. for a minute. Because I think it highlights some insecurities on on Justin's part. Like, a theme of this episode is jealousy. And a lot of times, jealousy is rooted in a lack of security or yep. lack of trust or whatever. And so those insecurities with, within us. And so we've seen Brian's be revealed. We've seen Virginia's revealed. We've yep. seen Lindsay's revealed. Well, now here, we're seeing that there's some insecurities in, in Justin regarding this relationship because he's thinking if Brian loves me, he should respect and care about the things that are important to me. Right. Um, And so this reveals that maybe Justin isn't feeling as secure in this relationship at this moment as we thought. So think about it like this. 
Justin still has trouble with his hand. Like it gets it gets it tires right. quicker than it than it used to. Uh so even though he was using his computer and that made it easier, there was a lot of time that he put into this project. So it cost him time, it cost him money. He's up ahead had to print all that right. stuff out. He ain't just got money like that. He had to let go of that go-go dancing uh, job. And that was what he was making the coin. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, so it cost him time, money, and pain to do this. You know, he's using his hand that, that you know, still right. has some issues. And so I don't think he's being too dramatic coming to this assumption. I think the assumption is wrong, but I do get how he got there. Um, thinking that Brian cares so little about him that he could literally urinate on his work. I mean, that's what it kind of feels like. Yeah, well, and more than that, this was Justin finding a way to talk about the bashing and what happened to him. Yes. This event that reshaped so much of his life, and he's saying, you tore it to pieces, and you pissed on it. You pissed on it. Literally pissed on it. Because I wouldn't come to Babylon with you, and because I was laying in bed with your best friend when you knew we were fully dressed on top of the covers. You knew nothing happened. On top of the covers. Now, granted, Justin doesn't know what's going on inside of Brian, and even though before he could read Brian better, right now he doesn't realize all of the internal struggle that Brian is dealing with. Um, He didn't hear that truth that Debbie put out there for us to hear. But Brian and Justin, they don't know what's going on internally with each other. And that's dangerous, mm-hmm. you know. That's why Brian can think that Justin has abandoned him or will abandon him. And that's how Justin can think that Brian doesn't love him or care about what's important to him. Because they you know, they don't know what's going on with each other internally. Right. And so it's just like this whole thing revealed like, hey, we got some issues, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that we kind of need to need to address and work through. Um, then Brian, I mean, sorry, Michael does point out that Brian was remorseful at the diner. And I sincerely think yeah, he was. I, I did too. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I felt all of that. And I it was happy to see him be remorseful mm-hmm. because normally he wouldn't give a damn. Like, yeah. I mean, he wouldn't, he would say, I did it. I did it. I said it. I said it. It is what it is. Move on. Yeah. And then M- Michael says, well, now we know what Rage's kryptonite is and it's his jealousy, that mm-hmm. insecurity in him. That's his kryptonite. Uh, so then over at the Academy of Pornographic Arts and Sciences <laughs> Awards, uh, the jokes are as bad as we expect them to be. Uh, it's like, are you up for that award? I'm always up. Yeah. Maybe this time I'll pull it off. Well, don't pull it off. You'll we never, never win. win. Yeah. Uh, well, Fetch wins the Newcomer of the Year Award. Is that what he gets a... Yeah. They get the, the Crystal Dick Award. Yeah, and Ted goes up to accept it for him. Ted is like and a kid he's in like a candy. stroking it. Girl, <laughs> stroking everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, he is starstruck everything. Yeah. Uh, well, so as he's getting ready to give the acceptance speech, um, Emmett strolls in looking marvelous, darling. Oh, in marvelous. this red ensemble. I love it. I was like, strawberry. Yeah. He looks good. Oh, my God. Well, Ted's encouragement works. It mm-hmm. got him to come out, and Emmett came to accept his award, and because he knows that his time as Fetch is what gave him this award, but that also gave him George, and that was more important and more meaningful, and he uses this platform to give his speech that he wanted to give. Yeah, and get that closure. Yeah. It literally almost brought me to tears. Yeah, I okay? loved it. Almost brought me to tears. I was so proud that he, you know, had enough courage to come out of the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it took a lot for him to actually, you know, just get dressed. He pulled himself. Not only did he pull himself together, like, I mean, he came in looking like 10 million. Yeah. Okay. I want to say he wore red in tribute to Yeah, George. no, because of the, the sweater, mm-hmm. the, um, the cardigan. So, 
um, definitely um, you know, gave a tribute to um, his man, and then he gave a beautiful speech. I mean, it almost literally brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. It was crazy. And so, like, you could look at this and say, ooh, he's just there spilling the tea because he says George Schickle, and they're like, Schickle's pickles? Yeah. But that's not what it was about for Mm-mm. him. It's like, I want to speak George's truth mm-hmm. and my truth because this award will always remind me of, of him. Mm-hmm. So I love that he turned this in a, into a moment for him to pay tribute to George to honor their relationship and to get his closure. Mm-hmm. So then uh, Melanie and Lita, I mean, Melanie and Lindsay have finally said, look, we can't do it. We need help. So they have enlisted Lita to come in and not only fix the mess that they made, but then to go on and, and renovate the attic. Uh, so she's going to do the work. She's going to live there on their couch and work up, work in the attic during the day. And that is going to be that. See, they could have saved, you know, we let jealousy get in the way. We did. We See what happens when you let jealousy rule? Yeah. Yeah. See, now you're, you already spent hundreds of dollars trying to do it yourself. And now you got to go back in and play more hundreds of dollars just to get it. If you know, not thousands. Uh, if yeah. not thousands, just to get it back to what it was so then she can start the work. <laughs> right. Okay. So Melanie and Lindsay are going up to go to bed and Melanie goes over to give Lita a kiss goodnight. And she says, goodnight, sugar lips. <laughs> Yo, again, I don't know. I don't have friends like that. Okay, like I don't kiss my friends on the lips. We're not kissing like that. They're, they're doing the most. For one, did you see the look Lindsay gave? Like, <laughs> This is why I didn't want y'all here together. Mm-hmm. For one, we are married. Get your lips up off of sugar lips. Sugar <laughs> lips. <laughs> you got some nerve. Yeah. All right, but babe, you you are already about to, you know what I'm saying, got one foot out the door. One foot <laughs> out the door. I'm about to throw your shit. So Melanie goes upstairs and Lindsay and Lita have a little a little chat. And Lita tells, you know, Lindsay's honest about you know, she had her reservations and Lita assures her, Melanie loves you. You have nothing to worry about. So Lindsay's walking upstairs and she turns to look at Lita and Lita's standing in the living room, like getting ready for bed. She takes her shirt off and Lindsay's just kind of like sitting there watching. But <laughs> anyway. But that's uh, what I'm saying. That's why she do too much. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like girl, I'll be, I, I'll ride with you. Lita's then, just getting ready for bed. It ain't her fault. Lita could have waited. <laughs> you are in my house. You could have went to the restroom. You could have went anywhere. Like, yeah. come on. Stop it. Is he going to pull it off in front of me? <laughs> come on. Then at the loft, um, Michael and Justin show up. And Brian has put everything back in order. He's reprinted it all. He's put it back in sequential order. Like, it even looks better and more organized than they had it. And on top of that, when they come in, uh, he tells them, be careful. But anyway, he... He tells him that he read it and that it's really good. Uh, he directly compliments it. He calls it art. Like, he doesn't hide it behind, you know, the usually Brian Kenny is. And, like, he's like, this is really good. I read it. Like, I see what y'all been working on. And it's great. It really is art. And Michael and Justin like, well, you need to apologize. Yeah, get started. They're like kids on the playground. Yeah, I love kids it. kids on the playground. <laughs> yeah. God. And Brian straight up says, I'm sorry. I fell out. Yeah, and then they're like, well, that's not good enough. And then he says, you know, they want an explanation. He says, what I did was immature, it was childish, it was vindictive, and it was based on irrational fears and unfounded jealousy. And it's like... I fainted. Yeah. It's like, he just he just told you, he knew he needed to, you know, because he, he knows that definitely with Michael, and maybe it would take a little bit more with Justin, but with Michael, he could have just been like, 
ah, I brought us fried chicken yeah. <laughs> and pizza or whatever. It was like a little bit more with Justin, but mm-hmm. he doesn't try to hide behind all of that. He, it's uncomfortable to him, you can tell, but he is like, I know I need to apologize. I need to tell them why I did it and then I'm sorry that I did it. Yo, that moment, right, this is why I sound bipolar. I hate him in the beginning, but somehow he always win me back in the end. And that little gesture with him just being 100% honest, yeah. I mean, it won me over again. I, I, who would have guessed he was going to be that honest and apologize and explain why, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, with sincerity, Well, and right? now he gets it. And we feel like, Brian, you should have seen that the whole time. But he, he didn't. He right. honestly mm-hmm. did not. And then, but after talking to Debbie and after sitting and thinking about it, he's like, hey, those fears are irrational. Like, they do still still love me. They are both still here for me. Like, Girl, it was the fact that Debbie showed him it was him on the coming book. Okay, it was him. <laughs> no, I don't think it was ego. I think he was like, that thing that I feared, them leaving me, me being irrelevant to them, me being abandoned by them, That's that silly. was not going to mm-hmm. happen. Like, mm-hmm. that wasn't threatened at all. And he had his face on the, on the front page of the, of the, of the comic. <laughs> I'm not doing that mm-hmm. with you. Anyway... So, on top of that, he offers to put together an ad campaign to help them promote and market Rage. I'm like, who is this man? Like, Brian really came through. Like, I mean, you ruined it. You did. But you went out and put everything back together. You you righted all the wrongs. And now you're going above and beyond? Yeah. Like, and he says, if you'll have me. Like, he doesn't force himself asking. into their project. Yeah. If you will have me. And the other thing is, like, he believes in what they're doing and wants to support them where he's willing to tie his work and his yep. name to this project with them. You know, because he has a reputation yeah. as an ad man and he's willing to lend that that reputation to this project for them if they will have him. Uh, and so Michael, pretty much when he walked in and just like saw that. It was over for him. Like, yeah, okay, we're back yeah, to normal. Yeah, but he was trying to put on a good front because Justin wasn't so easily swayed. <clears throat> but anyway, so I think both of them are kind of like shocked that he that he would do all that, that he would straight up apologize, right. that he would offer to help, that he would compliment their their work. But after that, Michael is walking over to the table to look at stuff, and then there's this little shoulder bump between Brian and Justin and, you know, it's one thing, you know, to reconcile with Michael, but he, there was something different about needing to reconcile with, with Justin. And, uh, so I, I like that little extra, the little extra contact that they have right there. And it's just kind of this like, okay, am I forgiven? Yeah. Are we okay? It's he was like, forgiven. It was yeah, playful. Yeah, okay, we're cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we're good now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, whew, this episode was a lot, but I love the end of it where it's like, we see rage flying through the sky. Yeah. Like the little uh-huh. comic image. I like it. But great that episode. episode was everything. Okay. Yeah. It gave me all, everything I needed. I mean, again, I'm going to say it again. I love to see Brian bothered. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I won for once. Okay. Like for once I won because normally he doesn't do that. But yeah, I love that it touched on jealousy and how you can miss out on good things because yeah. you are jealous, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I love that, you know, it brought Michael and um and Justin together. I love the dynamic between um I was about to call him Fetch, Emmett and Ted. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was just a really, really good episode. It really did. It was funny how like when you can work past your jealousy or work around it, um, it can bring yeah, it can, you know, form these forge these new things or right. deepen these other bonds. But then when you can't get past it, you're like Virginia. So she's still gonna be miserable. Yeah, she's miserable because and salty. Now, you you don't think that those people at that 
at that award presentation thing are going to spread yeah, the mm-hmm. news about George, George Schickel? Yeah. Like, you tried to confine him, uh, but he's never going to be confined. George was bigger than that. He had so much fire and his flame was burning bright because yeah. of Emmett, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, you thought you was going to stop something, but you didn't, okay? Yep. It's out. So that pride is going to be her downfall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Well, guys, we hope y'all enjoyed this episode as much as we did. And um, we're looking forward to bringing you another fire episode next week. Like we always say, guys, if y'all have any questions, um, please feel free to write in to us. You know how to reach us on our Facebook page, or you can go to our website at www.LibertyDinerDish.com and definitely let us know what you're thinking and what you're feeling. <laughs> All right, well, guys, you know, again, like we said in the beginning, happy pride to everyone out there. And um, until next time, well, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.